What's up, everybody? Super excited to tell you about my course. You guys, it's online. Take it by yourself. Take it with your friends. We talk about all things challenging kids from motivation to discipline to classroom management. It is all there. It is with me. There are modules so you can do it on your own time at your own pace. Check it out. BrianMendler.com right now. See my course there. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Brian Mendler Show. Introducing your host, fighting for kids everywhere, Brian, that one kid, Mendler. What is up, everybody? Brian Mendler back in your life on another edition of the podcast. And today I am super excited to be joined by Rebecca Rowland. It's so good to see you. And your book is called The Art of Talking with Children, which I just want to tell you is a fantastic title. I love the title. And I was telling you before we came on that I bought a copy of it. And it was only $7, by the way, which is fantastic. So appreciate that. I was saying, I don't know how you're going to get rich on that. But so as I was looking at your title, I was thinking, man, like I pride myself on being good at this, right? Like being good at talking with children. But my own children, I struggle with that so much. Do you notice that? Like, is it different talking to your own kids than it is other people's? And why? Yeah, actually, that's <laughs> that's so funny that nice you asked. Nice to see you, by the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you too. Great to be here. And actually, yeah, that's one of the funny things about this book is that's what inspired me to write the book, really, is that I found that I was, you know, really studying, teaching, you know, kids a lot. I was talking with kids a lot, but my own kids, I was sort of on autopilot with, or at best, you know, we were often kind of in a rut. And I realized like, what is going on here? Because I do think it's so much harder. You slip into patterns that you're not necessarily aware with, you know, even though you've been taught otherwise, or you've totally. learned otherwise. So for sure. I feel like our own kids push our buttons, right? Like if your kid did something, it wouldn't annoy me. But when my own kid does it, it does. And I think it's because we see ourselves and our kids and those parts of our kids are the parts that we least like about ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. We get triggered, I'd say definitely much more easily with our own kids. Tell me about this. Like, what do you do to get better at it? <laughs> yeah. So, so it's funny because I'm a speech pathologist by training. So I have studied really specifically kind of like what language, you know, makes the most sense with kids. And I think obviously looking at what your podcast and your, your work on Twitter and everything, I'm feeling you think a lot about this also. So I do. it was great to, great to read all that. And so for me, I developed what I call the ABCs of talking with kids. So try to make it really laid out there, just a framework you could have in mind kind of anytime you're with any kind of child. And A is just adaptive. So it means that you actually are tailoring your talk to the child, to the situation, really specifically. So however, you know, whatever respect means for that child, you're sort of tailoring to that to that child and to even the mood and the temperament of the child. So B is the back and forth, meaning that we're often like talking at our kids, like we want to, you know, just kind of a stream of talk. And we don't always take the time to say, well, what is this child really trying to tell me? And just kind of sitting with that. So that's kind of the B part. And then C is the child driven. So really starting with, okay, what is on this child's mind? Whether it's positive, whether it's negative, in between, just really taking the time to be with that and validate that before moving on to whatever's, you know, you want to get across. There's a fourth one, right? 
I put those three together and I say that leads to kind of more successful interaction. So that's kind of like the, the end result is like more talk success um, when you manage to do those three things, which is, you know, I think a work in progress for all of us. Right. So can you take me through like an example of how you would use those things with a kid? I would say, say you have like a younger child and they're, you know, you got home from work and they're wanting to tell you like their toy truck is out of batteries or something, (laughs) you know, like they're running their toy truck around, like it's out of batteries, it's not working. And, you know, and you're saying your sort of default is like, well, oh, was your teacher out today? You know, what did Jimmy say? What did, and your child is like running into you and saying, but can you fix this toy? It's, I don't know what's wrong with it, you know? And so that's kind of the default, I would say, that I found myself in. And, you know, we're often at that point getting annoyed. Like both of us are getting annoyed. So kind of taking a step back from that interaction and saying, okay, let's just for a moment, you know, sit with this child and then really look at, you know, you're realizing there's excitement here. There's, you know, upset about whatever the toy is and just start to ask questions. Like, well, what is, what do you think is wrong with this toy? Do you think it's the batteries? Like, could it be something Mm. else? Like, what do you think we could do to make it, to fix it? You know, so you're actually sitting and engaging with that issue and the child and kind of building that moment of connection before moving into whatever's on your agenda in terms of getting out information. And I think at that point, the child is oftentimes wants to talk about their day, but not exactly at that moment. So you're actually adapting to what the child wants and is what's on the child's mind at that moment. Yeah. I kind of think of it as, you know, respond rather than react. And I love the idea of using questions, right? Because Mm -hmm. questions in general can't be argued, right? Why do you think it's broken or what do you think went right? It's the same with behavior with kids in school, right? It's the same sort of mindset. It's, you know, well, what do you think you could do differently next time? You know, how could you regulate yourself? And utilizing that often takes the argument away from kids. So you're a speech pathologist, which by the way, my son, so I have a special place in my heart for speech pathologists because in general, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, it's just the truth. I didn't really know what you did until I needed you. Yeah. I think that's true for a lot of people. (laughs) You know, when I needed you and I was like, holy cow, you know, my own kid has a speech impediment. You know, I need you. And I realized what you do, which is you give kids a voice, which Mm -hmm. what better thing in the world could there be to give a human being than a voice? So he stuttered from a young age. It was Mm -hmm mostly anxiety driven is what they Mm kind of, they said, and he would like store his anxiety in Mm -hmm. his mouth and it's much better. He's gotten much better, but it was intense work that he's had to do on it. So Mm -hmm. thank you for the work that you did. How did you get into this and kind of what led you into this career path? Yeah. So it's funny because I started out really as a creative writer. Like I was always interested in language and poetry and I still am still write poetry and teach creative writing. So it's something that's a big passion of mine, but When I started, actually, I moved abroad. I went to Greece and I was working with a lot of kids and there's not a big special education system there. So they're just, you know, kids who were not doing well. They just kind of, at least at the school I was at, they just were saying, well, we don't really know what to do. And they're behavior problems. They tended to be Mm. behavior problems. So, you know, they just said they're a behavior problem. You know, not looking at, well, why is this child acting out? Or what do you think is frustrating? Or why are they not able to do well in school? So I was actually tutoring a lot of these kids and realizing that they didn't actually have behavior problems. You know, it was much more language problems, actually. So they were having trouble communicating or they were, you know, not able to translate well because a lot of the classes were in English and they were Greek speakers and all of this. And I didn't know what to do. So it was actually 
sort of my lack of knowledge that brought me to this field mm. where I felt just like, oh, I'm, I'm failing these children. And when I go away back to my, you know, back to America, obviously so much of these patterns are just going to continue. Like they're not sure what to do. They just kind of drop out of school. You know, it was just a mm. whole cycle. And it made me feel so, you know, sad and kind of frustrated for the situation. And I felt I didn't have the skills to know what to do. So that really led me to want to learn. What more. did you do? So I taught classes. I taught English classes. I did tutoring. And I guess what I, what I tried to do was just to be as responsive as I could to what the children or students needed at the time. So that's kind of where that responsiveness, I actually realized that by sitting with the children and saying like, well, what's happening in your mind when you're trying to read this or What's going on with, you know, when I was just sitting and kind of in a responsive and attentive way, really listening to their thought processes, I realized there was so much more than just, oh, I'm skipping class or, oh, I'm, you know, doing whatever. There was just a real frustration. And oftentimes they were reading way below grade level, Mm. you know, and so they weren't understanding what was happening in class. So they were just sort of like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm checked out basically. So that's what I tried to do is I tutored them and kind of tried to help, you know, in the moment as much as I could. But then I also thought, and I found that having conversations with them and supporting them to say like, well, you're not just a bad student. Like you're not, you know, it's, you might be having trouble, but that's not, you know, that's not all of who you are, anything like that to help them get beyond those labels. I felt like it was really helpful. I feel like it's so hard to convince a kid of that though. So like, how do you do that? Like, how do you, like, it's one thing to say it, right. It's another thing to actually, you know, show a kid. And and I think that's why success has to come first, right. There's like a cycle and and I call it the success cycle where Mm -hmm. think of like a clock and where the 12 would be, you have the word success and where the three would be is the word confidence and where the nine mm-hmm. would be is the word competence. And think of a yeah. ball that spins between those three words. Because in life, those three words are breeders of each other. They breed each exactly. success, breeds confidence. Mm-hmm. Once I become yeah. confident, I start to get better at something, which yeah, makes exactly. me more successful. Mm-hmm. And it's this mm-hmm. amazing cycle that some kids have never tasted, right? They've never yeah. been mm-hmm. in right. any of the three. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I teach teachers to do is sometimes you got to course metaphorically or i think it's metaphorically but shove a kid in to that's yeah. not really shove them but yeah yeah them no of course and yeah, yeah make yeah. them feel one of those things and whatever <laughs> i have to do as a teacher to make you feel <laughs> success right and it's like yeah. that t-ball analogy for little <laughs> kids like we start baseball by putting the ball on a tee because we yeah. know <laughs> there's nothing more nauseating than watching <laughs> a kid swing and miss like 30 <laughs> yeah. times and oh yeah everyone's like should we bring in the tee or not right, right, right. yeah exactly <laughs> And next thing you know, the kid's like, they don't want to play, right? They're like, I right, want to go swim, sure. I don't want to play baseball, right? <laughs> yeah, so yeah. how did you do that? So two questions here. One, into the minds of the kids, but also, yeah. right, into the minds of the teachers yeah, that yeah. this is sort of the path to take with these kids. Yeah, yeah. So there, that's a great point. And there, there are a couple of things, I think. And one of them is to really help kids help with that scaffolding process. Like, how can you find success where you are? So I think with the T-ball thing, we often do one of two things. Like either we just let them, you know, keep, keep going. And it's like this painful process, or we, you know, make it so easy that it's like, oh, look, they're doing amazing. It's so great. You know, and the child that's sort of empty, you know, because it's like the child sees. Yeah. And I think, I mean, kids know, like if you're either praising them for nothing, you know, or if you are making it so easy that they're obviously going to succeed. It's much too easy for them. That's not challenging. So I think kids like to be feel competent, but feel competent at something that they know 
is hard enough in some ways. So it's a big enough challenge so that they actually strove for it rather than just, you know, sitting there right. and like, oh, good right. job, you know. And it's so, tough to find yeah. that balance though sometimes, yeah, yeah. right? Because that's, oh, sure. that's like a real balance that you have to kind of find as a teacher where you're like, you know, I don't want it to be too easy, but I also can't mm-hmm. make it so hard where, you know, exactly. they're hitting 90 mile an hour fastballs when they're seven years old, right? Exactly. Like that, that's going to yeah, make yeah. them want to quit really quick. So what do yeah. you do specifically? Yeah. So it's, it's funny because I actually, I teach educational assessment actually at Harvard. And part of what I do there is I teach how to really not just use like big high stakes assessment or something, but how to assess every day and to really see carefully where is a child in whatever skills. And I actually think that kind of attention to figuring out, well, what is your skill level? What can you do? What can't you do? Is just the foundation for building success. Because when you know where a child is, you're able to sort of, you know, titrate or scaffold, whatever, make it the right hardness, you know, given experience. Whereas if you don't know that, you're just kind of guessing. And it's really hard to guess, I would say. So that's one thing. And I also help kids see that, you know, For example, I help them sort of contextualize things. So what part of reading is hard for you? Not just like you're a bad reader, but like, let's see what's difficult for you and then help you set goals to get those skills improved. You know, so it's not just like, let's help a lot of times kids just over label themselves like, oh, I'm, I'm slow at reading. So that means I'm just bad, you know, because maybe in that classroom, you're supposed to be a fast reader. And if you're not, that means you're a bad reader, yeah. you know? So, and that's not true necessarily. Like, right. you know, right. you don't have to read. Do you see patterns? Are there patterns that you mm-hmm. see develop among kids of what they believe about themselves? And I also yes. think it's what they believe about themselves, but it's also what they're told. Yeah. I mean, oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Right. Like when you're yeah. told something over and over again, you start to believe it. Yeah. Yeah. You I know, mean, no matter definitely. What yeah. And I, I do think like a lot of schooling does emphasize kind of speed and quickness in ways that aren't necessarily helpful you know, like if it's like, how fast did you do these math problems? Or how fast did you read that paragraph? It, it is important, we know, like to read at a reasonable speed, but it's not that important to be like the fastest reader in the class. Right. And so people, you know, kids so often are like, oh, I'm stupid, or oh, I can't do it. When they see other kids who, you know, they finish, they flip the paper over, they're like, I'm done, you know, and right. these, the slower <laughs> kids are like, Oh, I, can't I know, you know, uh, right. That yeah. was me. That was yeah. me. That was exactly me as a kid. Like, yeah, right. well, and then you're just like, how are these kids all done already? Yeah. Right. And, and sometimes, you know, so one of my rules, you know, for special ed kids is that we don't like surprises in mm-hmm. general, as a special ed kid, I don't yeah. like surprises, right? Uh-huh. I don't like pop tests and quizzes. Right. I don't like activities where you have a mm-hmm. ball and you get to throw it to someone answer questions. No, mm-hmm. I don't like any of that because yeah, yeah. everything takes me a little longer. Things in that realm take me longer. And so the goal for me is give me the thing ahead of time. Like, yeah, it's yeah. That, or, or, or you rig it, right? Like if you're right. going to do that game where you throw the ball to somebody, you mm-hmm. tell the person the yeah. day before the, the question, here's uh-huh. the question. Or if you play jeopardy right. or one exactly. of those things, give yeah, them yeah. the question and you can even give them the answer. The right. Day exactly. Yeah. And yeah. say your job is to go home and learn this. So yeah. when I call on you tomorrow yeah. and I ask you this question, here's mm-hmm. what I'll ask you, but here's what I'll ask you. And here's what you can answer to make yourself look good in front of, everyone and that's the goal you know and then sometimes the teacher walks by you know and she's trying to be helpful but she's like only 20 more minutes and i'm like yeah yeah. that's not helpful no exactly yeah yeah like like, Mm -hmm. instead you know and the other thing about real life is i just think it's so different from school because in real life like 
I mean, for the most part, nobody really times you like you can even this like people will listen to this and they can go back and re-listen to it and exactly. they can go back again and re-listen mm-hmm. to it. And like yeah. no one scores them or judges them or, or right. critiques them on that. So why does it matter in school so much? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we do like we've gotten into this pattern where we judging not the quality of thinking or like how deep or is that, you know, activity? How much did you do or get out of it? But we're judging like how quick it's almost like this factory model, you know, that's been in history has been for a long time that we're like, let's just get it done, get it done fast. And then, okay, you know, you finished your first, you know, kind of like a race. And yeah, it doesn't, it's not authentic. It doesn't really represent a lot of what we need in school. And I do think it's much more helpful to move away from that and towards like, you know, portfolios, the other ways of showing what kids can do that aren't, you know, based on doing something as fast as possible. So I just want to learn a little bit more about you because you kind of glossed over it that you work at Harvard and you teach at Harvard. And so how does one get to Harvard? Like, let me just ask it like that, like in life, how does your journey go so that, yeah, so that you get to Harvard? Yeah. I mean, I was a pretty good student. I wasn't the best student. I wasn't valedictorian or anything like that. I mean, I, I got mostly A's. I guess I was really engaged in different activities. I'd probably say that's how it started. Like I did tons mm. of sports. I was like running, doing swimming. And then I ran like the newspaper. So I was kind of doing a lot of leadership type activities. I think just because I was interested in everything and I couldn't really decide what to do. So yeah, I just kind of got involved in a lot of stuff. I really liked teaching. And I guess like I, after that, I started like doing a lot on my own in terms of volunteer activities. And maybe that, that was helpful, but I definitely wasn't like a star student or anything like that. (laughs) What did you do? So tell me about the volunteer stuff. Yeah. So I did a lot actually teaching kind of thing. So I did, I wrote poetry and I taught and volunteer. Like I taught other teenagers writing because I was even really back then interested in kind of that issue of voice and how do we help people and kids who aren't able to really express themselves do that better. And actually, one thing I remember is my first job actually was a kind of like they let me be a reporter in high school for this really small local newspaper. And there was like a a tornado, which is pretty unusual. I grew up in Georgia, Mm. but we had a huge tornado hit our neighborhood. And I remember like my first assignment, I was actually walking around like my neighborhood, which had been almost totally, you know, ripped up with all these trees everywhere. And I started asking people like, well, how are you feeling? What happened? And I was taking all these pictures and kind of realizing like, oh, this is pretty cool. Like that you can, you know, actually start to not the tornado part, not the tornado part. No, no, no. Yeah. Not the tornado. It was pretty scary actually. But um, yeah, but uh, just to really get involved in the neighborhood in that way, like I hadn't actually talked to that many people Mm. and to realize like, oh, there's like so many stories here. That was really fulfilling for me. So we're in Georgia. Just outside of Atlanta. Yeah, uh, which like part? Atlanta. I'm Dunwoody, Doraville. I don't okay. know if you know that area. Well, yeah. I know Atlanta pretty well. I mean, one of my best friends lives in Buckhead. And he's oh, the, yeah. yeah, he's like number three in the Falcons organization. So I become, oh, wow. I live in Tampa, but I become a, a big Falcons fan over the years. We're trying uh-huh, to get him to win. Sure. And actually every, it's really great. Every fall, we all like eight of our best college friends converge on Atlanta and he hooks up a game like we go to us. Wow. He's actually ruined my sporting experience. I can't go to sporting events normally anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When we go with him, it's like you literally like, you know, you're in a like, you know, you're going through doors that normal people don't go through. And yeah, sit, yeah. And seats, oh, my know, gosh. That's awesome. We had a, a the last game. We had a full ice cream sundae bar in our suite, which was oh like. I know it was really cool. So you, you volunteer you, which by the way, I was, I was thinking when you were saying that, how 
what social media has done for the world now where everybody can be that kind of a reporter, exactly. right? Everybody mm-hmm. can go around and just hit post or go live and for the sure. world can mm-hmm. see you, which, yeah, which is, yeah. what a world. So from that, and you just continue to go on in education, what did you do in terms of schools? Actually, what's funny is I, I went to public school in Georgia and I went to a summer program actually in high school at Yale, which is where I ended up going to college. Cause I just, I went there and I was like, oh, this is amazing. Like all these people talking about stuff I like to talk about, you know, they were like really into books and all this stuff. And so, yeah, when I applied to colleges, that's where I wanted to go. So I went there undergrad and yeah, after that, I did various things. I moved to New York. I moved to Greece. Then I came back to study speech pathology and I ended up getting my doctorate at Harvard after that. So like a ton of education. <laughs> like, I think I just like really like to learn. So I'm really, yeah. I, I almost feel like if I could, I would just keep, keep going and like, keep, like, keep getting, starting new ideas, new activities. And uh, for me, it's really fun to feel like a beginner kind of in a new subject. So I think that's kind of how it happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that goes back to that feeling of success, right? Mm-hmm. Like in sort of, you know, my show, I talk about behavior and difficult kids and kids who struggle. And it's like, mm-hmm. how do we get them to love learning? And that's really for teachers to think about, like, what can I do to get this kid to love being here? And, yeah, and how exactly. can I make that the foundation? And I don't think it's always easy to do that with certain yeah. kids. Oh, yeah. Know? No, it's a, it's hard. I mean, definitely. I think oftentimes kids in that cycle, like when they've experienced so little success, it's sort of like they come to you feeling really frustrated and feeling having an attitude that this isn't going to be fun because it hasn't been fun. So yeah. And I think to even understand that and see, I mean, I do a lot of work with kids who've had dyslexia and haven't been diagnosed for many years. And so, yeah, they feel they come to reading and just generally to learning like the really, you know, (laughs) obviously an attitude of like, this is going to be hard for me because it probably does feel really hard. And I think to realize why kids are having that attitude instead of saying, oh, they're just unmotivated, you know, or, oh, they're just not, you know, whatever. But to realize like, this has been probably years of feeling like, oh, I'm trying to do something that I can't do or that is hard for me and that people don't understand why it's hard for me, I think is really, is really important, like to empathize with those kids. It's hard to do sometimes, but I think really important. Do you see a direct correlation or is there a direct correlation between kids who struggle with reading and kids who struggle with speaking? Yeah, actually it does. One of the signs of dyslexia, actually, there are some signs in terms of speaking as well. So yeah, definitely. I see those linked for sure. Even kids who are, who mix up words, things like that. Yeah. Are more likely to have dyslexia. So yeah, you can see it earlier than sometimes people think. Because that was not the case for me. So mm-hmm. for me as a student, I struggle with reading, but I was really good at talking. Uh-huh. And, and sometimes it, and you see that too. Yeah, yeah. But my reading struggles were not dyslexia. My reading struggles were ADHD. I just couldn't mm-hmm. sit still long enough to pay attention. And so like, right. I would be interested in what I was reading, but then something will come on the TV right. and I'd be more interested in that. And then, mm-hmm. so, you know, this and that. And, you know, I always joke, my brother was an amazing student. You know, he was mm-hmm. an incredible student in school. And I always joke that my brother has this ability to like be reading a book and get a text message on his phone and not see who it's from until oh, he's wow. done reading. Like, that's unbelievable to me. That's like, amazing. The, yeah, yeah. Right? I'm not, not at that level, but like, that's cool. I'm reading and I'm like, but someone's... Yeah, you know, yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. No, right? And I'm, it's such a difficult skill to remain and be able to be focused. So give me some of your best, like for teachers, what are some of your best like tips and tricks and 
strategies for kids who struggle with speaking and or with reading? Mm -hmm. The first one is to figure out kind of what are their strengths. Like, so just take, you know, whatever it is, I would say interests and strengths. Because often we see that kids do so much better if they're able to read something that they're actually interested in. And often take a step back between, you know, sometimes things have to happen. So kids have to read this book or whatever. But oftentimes it's less than we think. So, you know, a lot of teachers have these assumptions about, you know, magazines or graphic novels, you know, like, oh, that's not really reading or that's not really work or whatever. You know, if you can get started there, the most important thing I would say is to get a child to feel okay or even good, but even okay about reading. So if that is, you know, reading a magazine about cars or if it is reading a graphic novel that they like because they like the pictures, you know, to start there and to feel like that's okay, like that's actually good if the child's attitude is changing. Do, do um, people yeah. not think that though yeah, right yeah, now? Like, yeah, like, yeah. They don't. Yeah. There are actually people out there that we have to explain yeah. this to. That's what's amazing. To, yeah, like there's yeah. sometimes I get done teaching workshops and I'm like, I can't believe I just had to explain yeah, yeah. that. No, I mean, I, because there, this there is, is one of those for yeah, me. Yeah. No, I exactly. Like that's the thing is people have said to me, like, is it okay if they're reading graphic novels or is it, you know? And I'm like, what do you mean is it okay? Like I almost like didn't understand the question. And it's like, you know, like <laughs> it's it's mostly pictures. I'm like, but there are words there too, right? And like, yeah, there are words. I'm like, okay, so so yeah, it's okay. <laughs> And so I do feel like that there's that attitude or even the the rules about reading, like you have to read 20 minutes a night. It's like, why? Like, why? What does that mean? What is that doing to a child when they're like, it's 19 minutes and I'm done and I really don't like this book. It's like, well, why don't you stop? And why don't next time you find a book you like better? You know, I mean, that kind of thing. Like, so are you, that's interesting though. You recommend that. So like if your kid is reading and you know, like how much do you give a book until you, until you Mm -hmm. kind of throw it away versus where you say, we'll push through it because pushing through hard things is good. Yeah. I mean, I do think like, to give it some time, like not just to say, Oh, I read one page, you know, like, cause sometimes you can say like, well, you know when you can model it for them. Like when I read a book, like, yeah, I might not like the first page, but I'm going to give it a chance. Like, I'm just going to say, let's, I'll read the first, let's say two chapters and maybe I'll skim and read part of the middle just to see if like, is it going to get better or not, you know, but, but sort of model a more flexible attitude rather than saying like, you must read up to page 50 and then you can stop. You know, it's, right. it's not really doing, you know, you want to model what actually happens in the real world, which is like, yeah, we do give things a chance, but then if we're given the, you know, we give them a chance, they're not interesting. They don't look like they're getting better. Then we can stop. It's not as if, you know, we're not forcing ourselves There are lots of books to read in the world. So, uh, <laughs> you know, showing that, like, yeah. Yeah. And I think to show kids that we're on their side. So like we understand, but we're also can model for them, what do we do as readers? You know, we want to enjoy our books. And if we're like at some point saying, you know, I don't like the subject and helping them analyze like, well, what might be a good next book? Is it that you don't like the subject matter? Is it that, you know, the words are too hard? Like, what mm. is it about this book? And that actually uses the book and this, you know, the struggle they're having as kind of a teaching moment too, yeah, to build their good. self-awareness, you know? Yeah. So it's like, they can actually say like, well, I like the the subject. I really like cars, but I think like all these words, I don't know what they are. And so I can't 
get into it, you know, and we're like, okay, yeah. well, so that tells you something, you know, yeah. it's actually too hot, you know, let's do it. Let's get so it. So then let's find a book about cars written at an easier level. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So I think that that's one thing we often ignore. And so you're really yeah. always really right. Kind of always goes back to building relationships, which is getting to know the kid, getting to know what they like, what are they interested in? And yeah. then bring in your content to them. Right. Exactly. I, t- I talk about like, two different islands, you know, sometimes I feel like we're on like teachers are on their own Island over here with their Mm -hmm. content, with their lesson. And I feel like in general teaching, like the way we do lesson plans needs an overhaul because Mm -hmm. the thought process with most teachers is I'm going to create my lesson over here in my world. And then you're going to come over here and learn my lesson, right? Here's my classroom. This is my world. There's my lesson. Come in and learn my lesson. Mm -hmm. And like, that's been traditional teaching for forever, but that's not really the world these kids are growing up in. You know, these kids Mm -hmm. are growing up in a delivery world, a world of Grubhub and Uber Eats and Amazon. And, (laughs) you know, you got to bring it to me. Right. I'm not leaving my house. Yeah, right? yeah, like, no, for sure. So yeah. deliver it here. And mm-hmm. so, and I think that's a better mindset, right? The mm-hmm. mindset is, and I can't yeah. deliver something if I don't know right. where you are. Right, right? Exactly. I have to know your address. I have to right. know where you stay. I have to know yeah. what the kind of, what you like. Right. What you want to eat. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. And so yeah. that all of that comes with building relationships. And yeah. what's fascinating to me is, how brilliantly the social media companies have done mm-hmm. it, right? It's why they're oh, worth yeah. billions. Exactly. They're worth billions because they've been able, right, to get to know mm-hmm. us. So yeah. we don't even know them, right? Oh, it's exactly. a one-way yeah. relationship, right? <laughs> yeah. They know everything about us, right? Yeah. And so that amazing. enables yeah. them to drop content in our feeds yeah. and right. change the game of advertising, right? Exactly. Allow you to yeah. pinpoint who you want to advertise your stuff to, which is a fascinating thing. And I think sometimes in education, it takes us a little while to catch up. My point is one of the things I often say to teachers is you got to go there. Like you're trying to get them to come here, go Mm -hmm. dive over there, swim over to their island and be like, yo, I heard it's cool over here. Exactly. Yeah. And then what you do is once you're over there and you're like, oh, this is what you guys are interested in. This Mm -hmm. is what you like. Then you kind of glance back at your island and you're like, what do I got over there that I could bring over here? Exactly. Back there. The party's over here now. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's sort of the mindset. Yeah. 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 And I think that you can do that. Like, even though sometimes teachers are like, oh, there's so many kids. How can I do that? But you can even do that, like with groups of kids or have each kid talk about what they're interested in or write about it. Or, you know, there's ways of doing it that you can reach all the kids that way. Yeah. I just have to get a little creative. So I totally agree. I think that's a great metaphor. And if you don't know, and the kid won't open up, I got seven categories, sports, music, video games, money, animals, art. Oh, nice. Movies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Movies. So uh-huh. there's your seven. So approach with that, right? If you're not exactly. sure and you're sort yeah. of trying to get the kid and they're shut down, just right. go in and be like, hey, I was just wondering who's your favorite football team or mm-hmm. what's your right, favorite right. this? Mm-hmm. And that's why it's important for teachers to know a little bit about a lot of things. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. For like, sure. You know, like, yeah, I don't know every Broadway yeah, show, yeah. but I could tell you one or two. Oh, totally. Yeah. It might be interested in that. And so, yeah. again, I got to go where they are. It's that, yeah. it's that yeah. mindset of delivery versus come to my mm-hmm. world. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, like we don't, we often ignore that. Like we think about them in two different boxes, like relationships and then learning and teaching right. kind of like, but they're so yeah. braided together. Like you almost totally. can't do the learning and teaching without the relationship. So Correct. yeah, I love that. And mm-hmm. I think that's true in every aspect of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah. yeah, people are so much more willing to work with you if you have a relationship with them rather than if you're like, here, I'm just a, a random person wanting this from you or wanting whatever. So yeah, of I think- course. 
That does model that for sure. It's a two-way thing like that, you know, you're teaching kids how to have a relationship with you and that's yes. building their social skills too. So, right, I mean, I think right. it goes both ways. Yeah. And you can always be dropping, you know, like you're telling me about your favorite football team. Let me tell you mm-hmm. about mine or let me tell you mm-hmm. what I did this weekend. You can, you know, I'm not saying you got to go overboard. I'm yeah. saying just that little bit to where you can be like, oh, you love, you know, whatever you love music. Did you see this article about this? Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, the kids reading something or they're yeah. talking about something and they're not really thinking that they're reading and talking. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, exactly. sort of really the goal is to get yeah. you to do it without yeah. you really understanding mm-hmm. that thinking about that you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think what's what's so cool too is that then it becomes like a conversation. Like actually the child's like saying, Oh, I read this article about this movie, you know, this movie that maybe you would like it or something like that. You know, and so then they're reading something, they even searched out something to read because they thought you might be interested in it. And I think that totally changes the conversation from like, you have to read this to, you know, I read this so I could talk about it, which I think is really cool. Totally, totally agree. So these 45 minute bursts go quick. Any last bit of information that you would like to leave people with? I would say like to really think about the types of questions you ask. So I think it is all about the questions and even like the fact of just balancing, you know, close-ended and open-ended questions, just letting kids you know, open up, say like, be a little bit more. We tend to say like a lot of closed ended questions, like how many are there? What's the right Mm. answer, but really letting, you know, so what's uh, the right question instead of those? Oh, I'd say, I mean, I don't think there's like, you can't ask those, but I'd say more open-ended questions that don't have one right answer. So like, how did you work through that? You know, what type Mm. of, what was your thought process around that? Or what part of this was most interesting to you and why, you know, that kind of thing. So where kids are actually explaining how they came to think about something. I think that can be so much more interesting for both people, the teacher and the student, rather than just the, you know, quick back and forth of the right or wrong. So that's one thing I I think I like to focus on. Very cool. I didn't get a chance. I was curious. You said you played a lot of sports growing up. What were your main ones? What did you Um, like? Yeah. So I was, I mean, actually mostly individual sports. So I did like a lot of cross country and track and swimming. So yeah, I wasn't so much a team sport person, but I liked all the, no, I never played golf actually. I I, I, I liked watching it, but yeah, I never was, I don't know. I never learned. So Mm. maybe I still could. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. What are your sports? I have an eight year old daughter and I just learned that girls golf is the easiest sport to get a scholarship in. Oh, Out of really? all of the sports, girls golf is the easiest. I had no one, idea. So That's cool. It's good there. to know. Yeah, yeah. Good <laughs> right. to know. I had no yeah. idea. And it's funny because my kids, in fact, right when we're done recording this, we're going to they have a golf lesson and there's like no girls. It's my oh, daughter really? and there's one other girl and there's like eight boys, which is oh, kind of wow. interesting. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. okay, maybe that's it. Are you still a runner? Yeah. Usually still, runners run. Yeah. Keep yeah. I still, I still run. Yeah. I had a little injury, so I had to stop for a while, but I'm back to it. So yeah. What, what's your favorite listen on your runs? Are you a podcast uh, person or a music person? Music, music. Yeah. I Same. like, to, yeah, I, I can't like really focus when I run or anything. I like to, I even, I swim a lot now too. And I have like mm. a underwater music player. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I can listen as I swim. (laughs) Wait a minute. Is it underwater earpiece? Yeah. yeah, It's like earplugs, kind of like these. And it connects to a waterproof, very old school kind of player. And you can, you can play like it works in water. And so it's pretty amazing. It's, uh, it's made my swims a lot more fun because, you know, it's way better. Yeah. (laughs) Partly why I don't swim is because (laughs) I, like I can't get my groove. What? So what's totally. your what's your can't live without? Give me like one can't live without song on your playlist. 
that like, um, is for sure every run or every swim. Yeah, will, will that's come a good. On. Hmm. Do you I have, have a, one? I, mean, I, I could do. give you a couple of mine. Okay, let's start. I'll start with yours. So, no. Okay, you, you want to start with mine? You can think yeah, about yeah. it. So I'm old school. I'm 46. So I was born in 1990, or I was I graduated high school in 1994. Born in 1976. So I grew up like Gun Roses, Def mm-hmm. Leppard, right? So Sweet Child of Mine, always, right? Uh-huh. Paradise City, always. Those uh-huh. will always come on in every workout. And if they <laughs> don't, great. there's something wrong. I the Tiger. I am getting <laughs> oh, born. yeah. I the Tiger always comes on. Uh, did I say pour some sugar on me? No, no. Def, Def mm-hmm. Leppard. Uh-huh. So oh, there's nice. five. There's five yeah. that uh-huh. are like, that are in the rotation uh-huh. always. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I guess I, mine are pretty old school too, I'd say. Like, so, cause I, yeah, similar age. So I'd like, I'd say like, probably like Shakira, like that kind okay. of like Latin music. Yeah, that's then cool. Lady Gaga, like just like really like. Give me a song you know, though. Like, do you have a, a song? song? Yeah, because I, I like to add new songs. Yeah, yeah. Like people tell um, me. Do you have one song? Um, and you can be like, this is one song that I love. Yeah, no. I mean. I don't really like, I, I like okay. to, I like to listen to new stuff all the time. So okay. I guess that's part See, of it. I'm the like, opposite. Yeah, I don't. Really? Yeah. No. That's funny. Yeah. I try, I constantly no. like I'm changing up the playlist. So um, it's hard for you to get yeah. on my list. Like yeah. it's very hard to break through. Like sometimes <laughs> really it funny. will, like I just added fancy. Like I often add songs that my kids are into. Right? Uh-huh. Oh like, yeah. My kids uh-huh. have been, they've been dancing to that. And so I'm, uh-huh. I've gotten into it. So yeah, actually so that's I listen- on there. One that's really good is like The Weeknd, Blinded by the Light. I don't know if you okay. know that one. But I that's know. Really, yeah, it's like very, very fast beat. So it's it's nice. Like I like songs that have like very quick beats. And so, yeah, yeah that's uh, yeah, that's All a good right. one. Um, and actually, the, yeah, yeah. And it has, um, it's funny because my kids listen to the kids bop a lot. I don't know if you know that, but it's like the kids version of all these music. So I'm actually, oh. they're always like, do you know this? And I'm like, I kind of think I do, but it's, you know, it's because I know like the, the grown up version of it. So we didn't even talk about your kids. How old are your kids? My son is five and my daughter is 10. So going into fifth and going into first kindergarten. Yeah. Kindergarten. Yeah. He's a, he's kind of a January birthday. So yeah, I kind of think he, he wants to be in first grade, but he's in kindergarten or he will be in kindergarten. Yeah. And you live in Boston. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. What's a can't miss restaurant in Boston. Well, I mean, the very traditional one so is many. Cheers. You can, yeah, yeah, you can, yeah, 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 that's the kind of, but, um, but there's so many other ways. I, uh, I mean, there's like Toro, which is How really about good. for like lobster um, roll? I'm, I'm a big lobster roll person. Yeah, I love lobster but- rolls. There's actually one in the south. Cold of though, yeah. I, I, oh, I cold, like more yeah. too, but I like the cold, yeah. like the cold uh-huh. with the crunch. Oh yeah, the yeah. That's kind of like that. I feel like Maine is like the place to be for that. Yeah, I but um, but there's like B and G oysters, which is a really good like seafood place. So yeah, I could you could check that out. I know I asked you for one last thing like ten minutes ago, but I'm still interested. So what's it like working at Harvard? Is it neat? Is it cool is it are the people weird are the people cool are the people you know what i'm saying like yeah it's got yeah. A, it's got a stereotype for sure yeah. so what is it like working there i mean i would say it's really cool i would <laughs> i think i really enjoy it i mean there's so many interesting people you constantly meet the students are like from all over the world and so you know oftentimes yeah. they'll be like oh here's the students from egypt from malaysia from madagascar like it's just so it's fascinating because it feels like it opens up the world when you teach there because they're just like they're people with so many different perspectives really mm-hmm. come so far you know to learn there so it's it's really it's a pleasure to teach there 
have you been able to like learn and, and experience new foods because you work there? Like I love food. Yeah. So, like, yeah. What's a food? Is there like a food where you're like, this yeah. kid is from here and I discovered yeah. this for this kid? Ethiopian food, I would say, which is really good. There's like a lot of breads and sauces and spreads and everything. And actually I had a student bring in some and I was like, oh, this is amazing. And so I started eating it myself. And there's actually a lot of Ethiopian restaurants around here. Yeah, I would recommend that for sure. Is it spicy? Yeah. It can be spicy. Yeah. Spicy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. If you like spicy, yeah, you're, right. you're set there. Yeah, but you sure. got to be careful sometimes with those places because if you, the spice they eat is a whole other yeah, world. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, how spicy <laughs> do you want? Because, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. But yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, it was a pleasure talking to you. Great catching up. The book is yeah. called. The art I was going to show you, actually, let oh, me yeah. show you on my phone. I want to just show you that I, I purchased my copy. I do recommend everybody get this book. If nothing more than the title alone is a tremendous title, but it's called The Art. You can see it. Uh, can you see it? <laughs> I can there see it. it. Yeah. The Art of Talking to Children and what an art that is. So cool. it was a pleasure talking to you. Great meeting you. And hopefully we'll catch up in the future. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. This is All great. Right. Everybody All right. else, don't forget to rate, subscribe, download, and review. I'll be back with you same time in two weeks. Until then, I say peace. We're out of here. <laughs> Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.